Coming up on Podcast 1881, the Blazer EV begins deliveries. Tesla acquires a wireless charging company and BEV container shipping. Welcome to a new Patreon producer, Peter Birdker. I think that's how I pronounce your name, Peter, and I'm so sorry if I've got that wrong. Your contribution, your subscription, if you want to call it that, your support on Patreon came through in Danish Krona. So I'm presuming you're in Denmark, and with the slashed O in your surname, I'm pretty sure your name isn't Bodka. I think it's Peter Birdker, but if I've got that, if I'm a terrible English person getting a foreign language wrong, I'm so sorry for the ignorance. I hope I have your name correct. Uh, I'm not great with Scandinavian names, but, you know, fingers crossed. That's okay. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. EV News Daily is your trusted source of EV information for Tuesday, 1st of August, first day of the month. Pinch punch and all that. Martin Lee here, and I go through every EV story so you don't have to. General Motors announced the commencement of deliveries for the Chevrolet Blazer, but that's not deliveries to customers because you know when that happens, there's always a picture of someone who you know that the press department have uh, have deemed that they you know they're the right age demographic profile. There's always a picture comes out when the first customer delivery took place. You know, maybe they prioritise a dealer that's bought a ton of them or something like that. So we haven't had that picture. So I'm presuming the Blazer EV hasn't got to customers. They've announced deliveries to dealers. Let's have a look at it. Now, I must confess, I am a little confused by the Chevrolet Blazer's lineup and the letters and 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 forgive me it's not even that hard to understand but because we don't have the sort of 2LT 1LT RS thing over here I've been trying to get my head around it and honestly it's a little bit difficult and you know I'm not that thick the model comes with a number of features uh, the first one to arrive with dealers the first one they've built at the Mexico factory is the RS version now the RS is the middle one it stands for Rally Sport, and it's an all-wheel drive car. That's priced at $60,215. US The range is 279 miles. Head-up display, gloss black trim, heated front seats, heated rear seats, ventilated front seats, animated exterior lighting, etc. So, let me get my head around it. Uh, the Blazer comes in trims, which, you know, if, if you're a regular Chevy buyer, you'll think I'm being a complete numpty here. And you're like, yes, that's obvious. But LT, RS, and S. So LT for luxury trim, RS, the rally trim, and the Supersport SS trim. But within that, there's numbers. There's the ones and the twos. And then, so they're the subcategories. Within the subcategories of the ones and the twos, there is front-wheel drive, rear-wheel drive, and all-wheel drive. It's just kind of frying my brain a little bit about how many options there are. Does it need to be this complicated, or am I just having a really slow day? So the LT was due to be the one LT front-wheel drive. I'm not sure that's arriving. We'll get on to that. The two LT was due to be front-wheel drive or all-wheel drive. We think they're coming. The RS was due to be front-wheel drive or rear-wheel drive or all-wheel drive. Why do people get the option? I don't know. And the SS was due to be all-wheel drive only. Makes sense. It's performance. Now, I recently looked at some photographs from the production plant in Mexico showing the factory crew around their first car off the production line. And now it looks like we know that the first cars being produced are the RS versions, all-wheel drive trim. And the Inside EVs, a reputable EV website, says that Chevrolet has confirmed to them that the base models, the one of the LTs, the one LT 
is completely cancelled now. Uh, initially coming at $45,000, promised with that price, promised to have a, a, a trim to get you in a blazer for forty five grand. no longer part of the lineup. The One LT was going to be coming in the first half of next year, but it won't. It was going to be front-wheel drive only with 247 miles and a smaller battery, but it's now completely cancelled. The quote from Inside EVs, they say that a GM spokesperson said this, and I quote, the 2LT is now our entry-level trim. We have more affordable variants coming in 2024, including 2LT front-wheel drive, and you could qualify for the federal tax credit for $7,500 with that vehicle. However... I've been onto the Chevrolet.com website today after the spokesman said 1LT is cancelled and they're still advertising the 1LT on the website. So I, I, I don't know what to tell you. Right now, you can click on Build and Buy and all it will let you build in the configurator is a bolt. You can't even... I can't even find a way to build and, and configure the Blazer. So goodness knows how those buyers that are getting one, hopefully in the next week or so, have bought theirs. Uh, the 2LT... Front-wheel drive becomes the entry-level option for the Blazer. Pricing, TBC. The most affordable trim this year, though, will be the 2LT all-wheel drive. They will get round to making some of those this year. That'll be $56,715, more than what was going to be the entry level. So we get told this car's coming, the Blazer's on the way, 45 grand car. We all get excited, and it's a £56,715 car if you'd like one, at least this year. They do say cheaper ones coming down the line. The RS rear-wheel drive is going to be 320 miles. That shows on the Chevrolet.com website today as being GM estimated, not EPA certified. 2LT all-wheel drive and RS all-wheel drive both have 279 miles of range. The Blazer SS EV is the sporty version, 557 horsepower, should go into production next spring. Sub four second, not to 60 time. Uh, they call it wide open watts, the wow mode. That's going to be a $67,000 car. The timing for any other remaining configurations remains to be confirmed nearer deliveries. Um, again, I, I don't know whether I've had a complete blind spot today, but if you understood all of that, I'm glad because I've spent hours trying to distill that into like. I don't know why I struggle so much. Um, can we not just have just like the Blazer short range, the Blazer long range? And then for idiots like me, that would be good. Um, I can't even find battery sizes in kilowatt hours, gross or net. I can't even find a way to configure one on the Chevrolet.com website. I spent hours on there today just trying to find out more details. They do not make it easy. Even on the Chevrolet press site, the most recent press release they issued, because I always try and go back to the source, obviously I want to be as accurate as I can on this podcast, was for the Bolt being continued, and that was days ago. So I can't even find the press release on the official press site that Inside EVs refers to. Maybe it was sent to them. Uh, it wouldn't even be off the record, because it's a, it's, a, it's a press, it's a release, but... <laughs> I'm going to go and cry in the corner after this podcast. Right, let's talk a little bit about the Aura Funky Cat. I told you recently on the podcast that this car from Great Wall Motors had a safety issue. And I was careful what I said around it because I haven't tested it myself. Again, try and be super accurate on this podcast and not just be like, you know, nearly all of the internet making stuff up. But it did seem that there were, were report, genuine reports from automotive journalists in Germany who knew what they were talking about. They were able to unplug the Aura Funky Cat while it was DC fast charging, causing the connectors to spark and burn and smell massively dangerous well the adac 
I think that is the uh, Almina Deutsche Automobile Club identified the safety issue themselves, reported it to Great Wall Motors, who make the Aura Funky Cat, and they have now said that they will issue a software update because they will address the issue, which they deny is a safety issue. Uh, I must give their their side of the story. They say that this car complies with all rules and regs. Uh, yeah, but plugging out, unplugging a car while it's DC fast charging charging does not, if you ask me. I don't know what the rules and regs are, but I've never, ever come across an EV that doesn't lock the cable in. Uh, now, GWM's software solution resolves the issue for now. When the car is unlocked via the key, uh, the charging will also stop. But what it was doing, I gather, is when you unlock the car, it was unlocking the charge port as well. Now, I want to be able to unlock a car when I'm DC fast charging it because you get back you, you know you charge your car you go get a sandwich or whatever you come back and you want to sit inside the car so uh, what is frustrating about cars like the mg zs that we still own is when it's ac charging and you unlock the car it stops the charging oh, no, this is massively fr- massively frustrating it won't charge unless the car is completely locked so you get inside it you lock it you're locked in but it's like it's charging on ac that's not dc it seems they've just had to go right if the car is unlocked with the key it unplugs the little catch in the in the Type 2, you know, the CCS um, plug design. So that's good. I I think GWM have said that you can take your Aura's cats back to dealerships. They'll do the fix. Until then, it's not unsafe, but just be careful if you are going to unplug your car when it's DC fast charging. I would recommend, by the way, and I'm no safety advice expert, don't unplug your car when it's DC fast charging. Um, It's probably a bad idea. Maybe stop the charger first and then unplug. Some DC fast chargers uh, uh, are not always easy to stop. You can sort of find the car that you paid on. Which one did I use again? They won't stop until you've paid and it's uh, used exactly that card. I mean, it shouldn't be this hard, should it? But anyway, um, right. Tesla is expanding their portfolio with their acquisition of Wiferian. It's a German company specialising in inductive EV charging. Hello. We knew it was happening. I told you about it a couple of days ago, a couple of weeks ago, maybe. Um, but it's now gone through and the company will now trade as Tesla Engineering Germany GmbH. The acquisition announced... Uh, I think it was the end of June. Purchase price, we think, is 76 million euros because in Tesla's quarterly report, that was the number listed under under business combinations. I mean, that doesn't say that it, it, it could they could have it could be a fraction of that 76 million. But it'd be a nice exit for the founders of the company. They founded it in 2016 to provide contactless EV charging. Uh, the company provides inductive charging devices for things like robots and EVs as well. Uh, they hit the market in 2018, so about 8,000 production units. And if they have exited that you know, seven years later from founding the company with a, a 70-odd million um, price tag on it, that's really well done to the founders. Uh, the company's been renamed, uh, but the URL and the logo on the website are still the original branding, whether that gets pulled into Tesla as a subsidiary or not, we don't know. VinFast is initiating the construction of their EV factory in North Carolina. The site is located within the Triangle Innovation Point in Chatham County. It's phase one, spending $2 billion and 1,800 acres, uh, divided into five main production areas, body, GA, uh, general assembly, um, press shop, paint shop, and energy. And initially, the factory will build the VinFast VF7, VF8, VF9, all EVs, and 150,000 vehicles a year capacity, which just blows me away because VinFast has had a very, very... Very slow start to the year. Um, 150,000 is pie in the sky. Maybe sell your first thousand. But I love their ambition, and they're clearly 
building on the assumption they're going to be able to sell these cars. Production commences in 2025. Speaking of Infast, they've announced that their IPO, their August IPO, uh, they've done the paperwork with the SEC, merging with a um, so-called blank check company. Um, they have an enterprise value, VinFast, say, of $27 billion and an equity value of $23 billion. VinFast Group is not insignificant. It's an enormous uh, operation. And so if they say we're going to spend until we get there with EVs, then you've got to trust that they're going to keep spending until they... They get it right. The first cars were lease only at the beginning of the year. They had really bad range. It was 150-odd. I'll correct that if I'm wrong. Um, maybe less, actually. Uh, that has been improved since. So a slow start for VinFast, but huge ambitions, and that has to be applauded. Right, we'll talk a bit more about the new Honda ENY1 or ENE1, whatever I'm meant to say. And the first BEV container ship. Yes, it's so cool. Uh, those stories and more coming up. Stick around. Right, welcome back to the podcast. If you'd like to get rid of the ads and go ad-free, you can if you're a, a supporter on Patreon and you know from any level. So from producer level, which is $5 a month, and you can pay in your own local currency as well, which makes it better. But executive producer gets your name in the show notes and uh, any level gets you a ad-free feed. Uh, pop that into your uh, the RSS feed into your podcast app and, and you're off to the races. Now, uh, the chip shortage has been a significant issue for the car industry since the start of COVID, but there's now a battery crunch that I've been telling you about as I've seen the news, but you pull all the news together and you start to realise that everyone from GM, CEO Mary Barra, telling investors recently that their com- the company target is 100,000 EVs in the second half of the year, but big delivery issues with GM's battery module assembly could hold that back. Porsche, the CEO, Oliver Bloom, saying this year's targets would require a better battery situation. Uh, these companies all pointing to delays, constraints and increased expenses related to EV batteries calling, causing some car makers to fall short of their ambitious targets. Battery supply issues have been looming for a while uh, as car companies finally got over the chip shortage, those making EVs. Some saw it coming. I think some have been a little bit surprised at uh, the wobbly nature. And others are doing absolutely fine, maybe a bit more vertically integrated. I don't hear Tesla complaining too much about battery shortages. Now, yesterday I told you about the new Honda SUV. It's a crossover uh, really, uh, it's called the E, a lower case, stylized, lowercase E, colon, uppercase N, lowercase Y1. I think I call it the E anyone. Anyway, and uh, they have confirmed that the integrated drive axle from Vitesco is what's going to be in, is what's inside it. The EMR3, third generation of the electronics motor reducer. The E-Drive is a three-in-one unit with power electronics, electric motor and a reducer. Very compact size, 76 kilograms, 150 kilowatts of output. It's so powerful, like all EV motors, decent modern EV motors, so powerful for the size and their weight. Why electric cars are just better in every way. Uh, the axle drive has been proven to be successful for Vitesco. Uh, they've been making them since 2019 for eight different vehicle brands, of which they didn't name, and I'm not sure I know any of them actually off the top of my head. But I want to have a look into that, because if you remember on yesterday's podcast, I told you about the new Honda SUV that I think is delivered from October here in the UK. It's chunky, £47,000 for the 
bigger, uh, the better spec, the one that they're going to sell most of, the, the the proper spec version of that. But it's got a really big battery inside it. It's got a 68.8 kilowatt hour battery. I believe that's gross. They didn't say, but they talked about the charge curve being really flat and it pulls as much as it can up until the top end. And so you would think they just put a mega buffer. They talk about how the battery is designed uh, not to have any degradation, stuff like that. So you think, oh, they're probably, it's probably maybe like 58 usable or something, but it's confirmed range of 256 miles which is i mean that's dog bad for a battery that big so probably net usable battery is going to be a a lot smaller so i was just looking into it the car really over the last 24 hours i mentioned yesterday on the podcast that it's terrible efficiency um it's a kind of car that sort of should have been out like five maybe four years ago if i'm generous to honda so like where's the bits come from why is it why does it go so little range on such a big battery why is it so inefficient i mean okay you haven't got a match tesla out there because they are the efficiency kings and queens but that seems really bad. Look, the Vitesco stuff's good as well, so I don't know. I mean, we'll wait to test the car and have a little look-see at it. Now, I love this next story. China is setting sail with its first BEV container ship. That's right. These container ships, which carry just hundreds of containers, is going all electric. And people tell you they, their road car can't go all electric. Oh, I could never drive an electric car because I need to go uh, 400 miles. Uh, oh, Really? Oh, so how about carrying hundreds of shipping containers with battery electric power? Because the Chinese are doing it. So that's sorted then. Uh, It carries 700 of these 20-foot containers. It's designed to go up and down the Yangtze River, uh, where they want to clean up pollution and emissions. It's not named yet, so the whole number N997 is how we know the ship. But it was floated at the shipyard in Yangzhou on July 26th. Now, I did look back at this. Dry dock assembly began in March 23. The project started in December last year. How quickly do the Chinese build stuff? Yeah, really quickly. Sea trials are scheduled from next month in September, and it uses 36 of those 700 containers to hold batteries and so because they're containerized they're swappable and so 36 swappable batteries inside a standard shipping container and so as this container ship is sailing down the yangtze river which is oh only like 965 kilometers long um it's a massive route that it does along the way it's got recharging stops but but it's swappable containers it's battery swapping done container ship style so you know how quickly these container ships get all of their containers off right you see all the big cranes at the docks they're so fast at doing that it'll whip off those 36 containers put on 36 new ones which are fully charged and off it goes again um oh by the way total energy storage 50 megawatt hours of energy storage two engines of 900 kilowatts each and um This thing weighs about 10,000 tonnes as a ship. It's huge. Intelligent control system will match the energy consumption to the ship's needs based on, uh, you know, arrival time, the currents and the battery capacity, etc., etc. It's so cool. If they're doing it with this, anything's possible. I love it. Right, Archer Aviation are next in the news, securing a $142 million contract with the US Air Force. I sat down with Tom Muniz. He's the COO of Archer Aviation recently. I was very fortunate to be asked to host the keynote speech at the recent industry event called Move, and it's back in America soon, and Move 24 in London again. And uh, it's always an amazing event. If you work in the mobility industry, uh, your micro-mobility, whether you work in uh, smart software solutions, go along to Move. It's brilliant. You'll meet amazing people. And I sat down with Tom 
I was so impressed with Archer's pragmatic and methodical approach. You meet a lot of people, you hear a lot of you know, a lot of press releases in EV world. My inbox is full. XYZ company is going to do XYZ thing by XYZ year. And you go, man, that's just pie in the sky stuff. You're going for funding or you're trying to get money or investment. It's never happening. I, talking to Tom from Archer. It was really impressive. And Archer Aviation make EVTOL, so electric vertical takeoff and landing crafts. They've got a new deal with the US Air Force for their midnight EVTOLs. Uh, and it just looks so, so impressive what they're doing. It's not It's not kind of, oh, these are going to be autonomous vehicles that whiz about the sky in their millions like some sort of Blade Runner future. They have pilots. Aviation is very established. It works within very established rules. But a journey in a, a, you know in LA or New York that can take you a long time, and yes, they'll start at the top of the market with people who can afford it, but it will get cheaper. They know that over time. Um, we'll pay a premium to do those vehicles, those shorter journeys, without getting stuck in traffic under electric power, powered by renewable energy. A newly signed contract with the US Air Force uh, involves pilot training and also... Uh, uh, test reports and things like that, and working with the Department of Defense, and uh, they're going to use it for things like personnel, transport, logistics, and even rescue operations as well. These eVTOL aircraft are seriously, seriously, um, like I call it Jetsons technology. Like you see it and you think that's the kind of future that, you know, a Star Trek future that you can imagine, but it's here and it's now, and they're making, they're onto their second or third aircraft now, and it's really good. So uh, very impressed with Archer. Now let's go to China and Hi-Fi rolling out their Model Y. Told you about it recently. This is the um, kind of, Tesla Model Y competitor, if you like. But the Hi-Fi Y, launched on July 15th, joins the X and the Z in their lineup. Starts at $47,000 equivalent. Uber luxury, really luxurious vehicle. And for what you get, just fantastic. Dual motor, five metres long, two metres wide, three metre wheelbase. So a big vehicle. And it's the lowest price Hi-Fi today. The company's only been around a few years. They've got three models out already. And this looks like a really compelling EV. And Foxconn, uh, they are doing their consortium called Mobility in Harmony. And they have chosen a name who I've kind of heard kicking around. I knew they were doing software, but Blackberry. There you go. Blackberry. Back in the news, they provide software and services for Foxconn's EV operations. The Canadian technology company, uh, known for their secure communication software and services, and about 20 years ago, no, it was less than that, wasn't it? When did I when did I get my first Blackberry? It was a company phone. Um, I was working in radio. Uh, 2007, 2008, maybe. It was the future. Little clicky keyboard and everything. Um, but the consortium, led by Foxconn, is a global open platform for the EV industry that uh, they will hopefully build lots of EVs on with various industry players. And that is your podcast for today. Thanks to our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Porsche of the Village of Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley's EV Review Island YouTube channel, Octopus Electroverse, global public charging made simple with one map and one app and lease plan electric moments, providing all the tools and guidance EV drivers need. Have a good one, see you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.